Welcome to the Informed Life. In each episode of this show, we find out how people organize information to get things done. I am your host, Jorge Arango. My guest today is Nathan Shedroff. Nathan is an entrepreneur, author, speaker, and educator. Like me, he teaches at the Graduate Interaction Design Program at the California College of the Arts. This conversation focuses on his new book, A Whole New Strategy, which teaches strategic thinking. And now, Nathan Shedroff. Nathan, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I'm excited to have you back. And as as you're implying there, this is your second time on the show. And uh, I I reached out because you've written a new book about strategy, and I want to talk about it. You introduced yourself in our previous conversation together, but why don't you give folks a brief overview of um, of your career? And I'm especially interested to know how someone with a background in design got into strategy. Yeah, well, I think that designers are always touching upon strategy one way or another in the work that they do. Um, if only to compensate for what might not be the right project brief or creative brief in the first place. One of the things that I find with lots of designers is that when they get hired, especially if they're in-house, but also sometimes if they're being hired by a client, um, once they dive into the, the creative brief, the project brief, you know, there's a lot of questions that arise and the feeling starts to emerge that this isn't the right thing to make, right? Like this, we shouldn't be making this. Why aren't we making that? Who who decided that? That's all the result usually at some level of strategy, right? Either product strategy or corporate strategy. Um, and so, and of course, by that time, it, it's too late, right? Like it's been decided. That's what we're making. I've, I've worked on many projects in my life where, I got hired to make X, and after doing some initial design research, we realized X wasn't a really good idea, certainly wasn't the best idea. And the hardest conversation I think we have as a designer is to go back to your client, you know, internal or not, and say, I know you hired me to do this, but this isn't going to work very well. And I have something better, right? Like I found something better for us to be doing but it's not what you originally hired me for. And there's a lot of business people out there who aren't very uh, facile <laughs> with their business concerns. So they just hold fast. Like, no, we decided we're going to do this. It, it has to be an app. It has to be a website or this kind of website. And you know that that's just, that's not going to appeal to the customers. It's not going to serve their needs. But it's too late and they don't want to change because they have a contract, right? So you go ahead dutifully and make it as well as you could, but you know it's doomed to fail or not not succeed in the way that everyone around you wants to. And that's strategy, right? Like you see something in the market or in relationship with customers that they don't and they didn't when they made that decision, but they won't change the decision they're stuck on it. And so you just sort of have to do it anyway. Um, so I think all designers have somewhat of that experience in their careers. And I wanted to, I wanted to, to understand 
understand that more deeply about what what we could do about it. So that's that's in in my background. And then, of course, I you know I went I got an MBA myself, and then I started this MBA program at CCA, and that that has been a focused part of that part of my journey for that entire time. So you know, ten years ago, I was struggling to put these into better tools so that designers understood strategy better and could participate better but also so that it's not it's not just designers i mean one thing you learn at business school if your eyes are open is that they are taught a lot of misconceptions about the world of even the world of business and that most and i and i really truly mean this 95% of strategy that's done out there is so incredibly sloppy that you know it may as well not be done at all because the answers that come back through sloppy work you know garbage in garbage out there's sloppy strategy the phrase that came to mind and I, I don't remember who to attribute this to but this phrase that uh there's a difference between designing the right thing and designing the thing right yeah and part of what i was hearing there is that a lot of time designers are focused on designing the thing right when they might be designing the wrong thing to begin with right yeah um, now, I, I don't want to give people the impression that this is a book aimed solely at designers, because I got the sense that it's, you're talking about business strategy in general, right? Like, it's not design strategy. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, designers also believe m mainly or often that we deserve to be involved with certain kinds of conversations at, at, at you know, at, we deserve a quote seat at the table, unquote. Um, and I don't dispute that at all. I think there's lots of designers who aren't ready to have those conversations and that's a whole nother thing. But, but yes, designers are naturally attuned to um, facilitating strategy, um, are great um, contributors to strategy. So, there's a, an incredible opportunity for designers to get involved with strategy. But to your point, like I think business strategy needs to be re rethought and practiced differently, period, whether you're a designer or not, and whether you're getting involved as a designer or not. And yes, that's really what this book is about is how do we do better strategy? Because that's where all the good ideas start. And that's where all the bad ideas start as well. What, in your experience, is the biggest misconception that people have about strategy? Well, I think the biggest one is that it's done well. And I think that lots of people, not just designers, and especially people who aren't invited into the strategic process in an organization, have an uneasy feeling always about whatever comes out of the strategic process, that it's not quite right. Um uh, there's uh, there's so many problems with with corporate strategy as it's done around the world. I'm not sure exactly where to to start, but you know it's not usually communicated well. It doesn't include qualitative customer insight. Um, it doesn't usually involve the right people or enough people around the organization. Um, and I don't think it prioritizes the most important information about markets and customers. So. You can start wherever you want, but there are so many things wrong with strategy that 
you know, I, we almost need to throw it out and start all over again. There's a workshop that I do that is about um, approaching information architecture as a strategic practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's it's one of those practices that uh, that does some of the things that you're talking about here. You know, starting with a uh, with research, and then uh, thinking through the the underlying st- structures that are going to underlie uh, an application or a website or what have you. So you get into these strategic conversations, and one of the things that I ask people when I'm doing this workshop is, what in your mind is a strategy? And invariably, I get uh, folks say things like, well, it's a plan for how to move forward, um, or it's um, it's some kind of uh, vision, or they, they end up talking about either plans or aspirations, right? Uh, but strategy is is not exactly that, is it? Oh, yeah. I mean, on one level, of course it is. It's It's still a plan, right? It's not a report. Um, and, and you're right that there are some complex and maybe even confusing definitions of strategy out there in the world, you know, like Henry Mintzberg at McGill is famous for saying strategy is a pattern in a stream of decisions, which it is, but that's not super helpful to explain what, what strategy is. It's a high level plan for action is probably the best definition I've seen. And I I like that one because, of course, if you know anything about Charles Eames, he described design as a plan for action. Um, that also speaks to the relationship of design to strategy is that, look, strategy is the highest level plan you could have in your organization and should have in your organization. And it has to be a plan for action. I think one of the many problems with strategy often in companies is it's sort of done as this external process on the side. It's fun. You know, the executives get together and they go on offsites or or it's this six-month process of looking at high-level things. And then you create this three to five-year strategic plan and then you put it on the shelf and never look at it again. So it has to be a plan for action. Design is a plan for action. This is a high-level plan for action. It, it it just really speaks to strategy has always been a very designerly process, just missing the designers. Mm, that's really, really intriguing. There's two key phrases in that definition you put there. You've called out uh, the fact that it has to have a plan for action, meaning there's this operational component to it. It's not uh, just aspirational, yeah. like you have to make it real, right? But then I think that the key phrase there, though, for me, is high level, and yeah. and I, and I and I bring it back to um, the fact that your book is organized in the different areas that you have to consider when crafting a strategy, and I'll just kind of read them out. So it's the market <laughs> that you're operating in, the operational components of the organization, the context of the world around you the organization itself and then the vision for the future and when i when i see these things i think wow this is this is a very high level b very comprehensive and also it requires kind of like this systemic approach to understanding what the organization is doing right so i was hoping that you tell us a bit about 
the relationship you see between strategic thinking and systems thinking if there is you know if, if there is something to call out there oh very much so and and they're both i think part of the set of critical skills that everyone you know really needs to understand and and be able to use to some extent for the future especially in a post you know ai machine learning world um you can't do strategy well without systems thinking that's another one of the problems with how it's been done in the past and how it's done today um because your organization is a system and it exists in a much bigger system right so if you can't traverse and view that system you have really no idea the context that you're operating in so you know part of my exploration in the last 10 years in the DMBA program was how do we create better systems tools so that we can teach systems thinking to people better um and so a good component of this is uh there's the the whole sort of stakeholder system uh, and the world around you in that that chapter um which is really just systems thinking right so how do you map all the key stakeholders around you that you should or need to have a relationship with um which ones can you ignore which ones are critical that's a systems thinking you know tool um and that's a big part of the basis of how you understand the world so that you can operate within it uh it's a it's a very deliberate step in strategy or should be and this is one of those things that's always done sort of sloppily in business schools they've taught for decades porter's five forces which is a set of you know five essentially stakeholders that you should have your eye on um and i have this you know this dashboard or this enhanced model of strategy that i describe in the book and in my workshops um but you quickly see that oh well porter's five forces only only touch about three of these modules what about all the rest and it turns out it's not five forces it's like 35 forces and if you have a systems view of those things then you're looking at all of them and that's a more complete view of the world of the system than you would have otherwise and if you see more you can do more and you can have better strategy Yeah, when you when you say that a lot of strategy is done sloppily the sense i got from reading about that in the book and it's something that i've experienced as well is that folks will when doing strategic thinking they will take a few frameworks and models like um porter's forces model uh another one that you call out in the book is the uh, swat oh yeah matrix right and they'll do these things kind of in isolation and and i saw your book as kind of like a call for taking a more comprehensive look like it's not that those other models are wrong it's that they're part of a much much larger picture and you have to get as complete a picture as possible and have as complete a a vision as possible for how those things fit together at the highest level is that uh, is that a fair reflection yeah i think that that's a really good um uh explanation or summary of it it's not that any of these tools or templates are terrible it's that we we use them poorly or we use them sloppily because we we sort of uh crowdsource among a very small number of people in the room the 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 data we put into them 
and then we use them haphazardly. So yeah, all you could really, it's, it's amazing that any kind of usable strategy has ever come out of using a tool that way. It's not that the hammer is bad. It's that we're taught to use it poorly. Um, and the SWOT analysis, there's no better example. Well, maybe the positioning statement where, you know, someone goes and downloads a, a template from the inner uh the internet or they just you know you get it up on the whiteboard and draw it and then you sort of all fill in these four quadrants with whatever's top of mind and one of the biggest problems with that is you're mixing operational and market issues together right so they're getting commingled in a way that operational issues almost always crowd out the market issues because you know, people have responsibilities and that's what they're focused on. So you're really not getting a good understanding of your strengths and weaknesses, but more importantly, your opportunities and threats in the market. Um, but the single biggest problem is none of it's validated. It was literally just stuff that came off the top of your head sitting in a room with a whiteboard. Where's the customer research? How do you know that that item there is your biggest strength? You don't. You just sort of have this feeling that um, these things are important, and they may be, but there's no validation. And as most designers in our industry know, you know, the executives in our companies, even in startups, they're not close to the customers. They're certainly not clamoring to get the research reports from design researchers. So how would they possibly know their customers on the most important levels if all they're looking at is sort of sales reports or market research reports and quantitative data. So how could they possibly ever make good strategy without knowing that? Um, there's three, three sources of customer insight that almost never make it into strategy. That is what comes out of design research, what comes out of customer support, because they know customers on a level that even design researchers don't, and what what salespeople know, and and because business is so quantitatively focused, they'll get sales data, right? Like they get the data about the sales. That's not the problem. What they don't understand is the decision drivers that salespeople are acting upon to make those sales, to make that data. And that's the crucial part of strategy is you have to understand what's truly important to making the decision for your customer. And that's what you build strategy on, not the numbers around things. Mm. There's a garbage in, garbage out problem, right? And oh, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And in this case, there's two kinds of garbage. You can have quantitative garbage and you have qualitative garbage. In this case, it's usually garbage across the board, but mostly quantitative garbage. Um, there isn't a lot of qualitative garbage in the world, I will admit, because most design researchers understand how to synthesize insights to something important. But we do spend a lot of time on the trivia of, you know, let's say persona, you know. Emily's a 35-year-old writer and she lives in this and she likes this music. Like, who cares? Right. Like on some level, that helps us empathize with them, Emily, and understand her in a deeper way. But that's that's really not identifying anything that affects her behavior. In terms of strategy, we care about what does Emily 
make her decisions on the basis of what are her decision drivers if you don't know that you're not even at square one of strategy and yet most strategy is done without identifying those things at least in a deliberate way maybe they're identified in an intuitive way but man if you're just doing intuitive strategy like why bother like you're just just into it on the fly yeah, you're going by hunches. <laughs> That's the whole the whole last 70 years of business, basically, going on hunches. Well, and, and what I'm hearing here, um, and again, this resonates with me with, with this material that I've taught in, the, in this workshop, is that design can play this role in helping uh, move past hunch-based decision-making to to um, a position where you're crafting a strategy based on uh, a clearer picture of customer needs, market conditions, uh, the sort of, of sensory information that you get when you make things and put them out into the world, right? Which is part of the function that that design does. I, I'm going to repeat that because that is such a great synthesis and summary of what I'm talking about. Design is a way to move past hunch-based decision-making. I want to put that out into the world because, yeah, that's exactly what this book is about. So so the question for me is, uh, I've, I've worked with design teams and organizations, and more often than not, they uh, the, the word that I would describe their mood is like beleaguered in that, yeah. in that they usually have a lot more to do than they have resources for. They are on the hook for delivering um, products uh, against oftentimes fairly aggressive um, deadlines and such. And uh, many of them are not perceived by the leadership of their organizations as the sensory apparatus of the company, right? Right. And the question is, what can we do as designers to, to get design to be perceived as a more strategic function of the organization? That That's such a great question. Um you know, if you look at the sort of design process, and I know the double diamond is super popular, my own version is a little bit more funky. Um, that is all well and good. But there's this other diamond, the third diamond in front of all of it, and disconnected from it, which is the strategy process. So one of the biggest problems from a design perspective, and I imagine this is somewhat similar from an engineering perspective, but uh, most leadership or executives in a company seem to have a, a better relationship with the engineering side than with the design side, is that the things that we find out in our processes, namely the understanding of customers, needs to come out of that first diamond and and jump into that the very first diamond, the one that's missing. We need to get that information into you know into the room as it were or into those processes and we probably need to do that well in advance of being invited to to discuss it in those rooms because that's usually not on our responsibility list or on the schedule so we need to figure out how do we get our insights in front of the executives in a way that they can um uh digest and understand um, and then maybe if we do that on a consistent basis, um, they'll they'll start to invite us in to do those reports or or have those conversations in person. And then the next step might be, well, we're starting the strategic process 
maybe you should be there at the beginning rather than the end to make it look nice or to bless some of the sections. I think that there's probably other ways in which designers can get involved with strategy, but I don't think we can wait to be invited. And that's to me that what I just described that sort of get, get our insights into the room and into the process first, I think is going to be a natural first step in most cases. And that might be, uh, you know, publishing a blog, publishing reports, you know, getting some sort of cool artifact. You know, you almost have to think about this as um, sending gifts to the leadership of your company or your client's company um, that they unwrap and and think are really cool. But in this case, it's an understanding or an insight into customers that they don't otherwise have. I, I love this idea of sending gifts uh, to leadership. Um, my expectation would be that these would have to be gifts whose value is that they invite perhaps like a reframing of the requirements somehow. Yep. Um, and and in the, the the phrase that came to mind when you were describing this uh, three diamond model is that um, in, in security, there's this notion of, um, I don't know if you heard the phrase shift left security. No. Uh, the, the idea being that you, you, you do security kind of as early on in the process as possible. And, uh-huh. uh, and maybe what we're talking about here is something like shift left design, right? Where you're becoming involved, you know, at the, in, in, in the architecture world, there's this notion of writing the program, you know, yep. uh, and it's something like that somehow. Yeah. If you don't get the program right, how's the building going to be right? You know, it might be beautiful, but it probably won't work for the people who inhabit it. Yeah. I like that idea of shift left design because that's exactly what needs to happen. The other problem here in what I just described is like when strategy is being done, like we have this notion that um, strategy is something you do, you know, you have a strategic plan for three to five years. That's very common. And you do that every five to 10 years. And then it just sort of sits on a shelf somewhere. It's not very actionable in that state. But strategy is something we should be doing every day, right? Like strategy should be in a, in a format where we can compare it against business data in a moment's notice if we wanted to, to see like, are we out of strategy? Strategy is like your um, flight plan. And then you compare your flight plan to to where the plane is actually in position at any moment. And if it has to deviate because of the weather, great, fine. But you come back to plan. Or if the plan has to change because it's turning out that it's no longer the right conditions, period. Great, change the plan. But to see that difference and see if we're getting off plan or not would be really critical. But that's impossible the way we do strategy now. Again, systems thinking comes into it, right? Because what you're yep. describing is like classic cybernetic loop, uh, feedback mm-hmm. loop, right? Besides um, this role in defining the program, perhaps there's also um, a role for designers to help determine or or clarify, perhaps is a better word, clarify the the metrics that are going to be used to determine the degree to which the strategy is actually on track or whether it's going off course to to use the, the airline imagery yeah. great this is this is also so intriguing and we have so much more that that I would love to ask you about but I'm I'm curious in in the book you bring up um, Regis McKenna 
I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Yep, that's uh, right. But uh, I, I had read about Regis McKenna uh, in the context of Apple. I think, wasn't he involved in like helping Apple in, yep, in its early in days? in the very early days, yeah. And you, you talked about uh, having learned from uh, from Regis McKenna. And I was hoping that you would tell us a bit about that. Uh, who was Regis McKenna and how did he his work influence your thinking? Well, I'm not an expert on his life, so I'm not going to be able to give you a complete biography or anything, but he was a very influential, he is, he, he's still around, a very influential um, marketer uh, in the technology world in Silicon Valley, especially in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And I actually met him because uh, when we started our company, that we were just three people um, literally in the dining room of the house. Um, we were hired by him to help create a software product um, that would step people through their, you know, their market strategy. Um, and this, these were the days of CD-ROMs, and we built the entire thing in Director, if you could believe. Um, and it was, it was this amazing product called Crush that came out of a process that he and his team developed for one of their projects. I can't remember the details. I should try to get a hold of him. But they were hired by a client and they literally had, you know, like 60 days to do this entire market strategy or something incredibly fast. And so they had to cut away everything to the bone and just get to the the what's the right word, get to the uh, basics about what they needed to find out about the market and how to make decisions. And, you know, at this time, I'm a young guy out of college, starting a company, and I have a design degree. In fact, I have a, a, a transportation, a car design degree. And like many designers, I have a pretty suspicious perspective on marketing because the it, like it just a lot of it just seems like bullshit right like you're like why how do you know that that doesn't sound right that's not my experience how do i how do i um integrate these two views of what i'm getting after my experiences with regis i understood like oh there's something really important here like this is real stuff it's not fluff and so in order to make this product for him uh, I and my two business partners would meet him and another another guy every Saturday at his office off of 101 in, um, I think that would be still Palo Alto, but maybe it was Mountain View. We meet at his, at his office for three hours or four hours and get a lecture on on marketing. He would step us through his process. And that was my first business education right there. So after a few months of that, like we understood, oh, this is how you step through things. And that's kind of the basis for this process that I describe in the book. That's sort of a framework. There's a lot more details. And I go into, uh, you know, especially the systems thinking portions weren't there in his strategy and his process in, in Crush. Um, but that was the basis of understanding First, you do customer insight, or we call it customer insight. He called it environmental analysis. You can't move on to competitive analysis until you've done that because the output of environmental analysis 
is the input to customer analysis. And that becomes the input to positioning. You can't do them out of order or else everything gets fouled up. Or you can't like, um, you can imagine we have 60 days to do the strategy for this company, mobilize the whole company, get a bunch of teams and send them off to do separate things. The problem is when they come together, none of it fits because they all had different assumptions and they all found different things and nothing's connected to the things the other teams were doing. It's just a mess. And yet that's how a lot of strategy is done in companies. So the thing I really learned from Regis was you have to start here. Sorry, it's going to take a while and it has to be done in serial, but there's certain things that can't be done in parallel. The output of this becomes the input of that. The output of that becomes the input of this other thing. And that fixes a lot of what's wrong with strategy. Then if you separate the marketing sequence from the operational sequence, that fixes a bunch of other things that happen in strategy. So really this process that I describe in the book is just, you know, if you apply about four good fixes to how strategy is performed in the world, you have fixed most of strategy right there, even before you get to like the systems thinking and this foresight and and then the best practices on communicating it inside and outside the organization, all the other sort of details. You know, that that came across in the book, the fact that these are sequential steps and you and the book is structured in that order, right? I get the sense that you start with the most important things that then everything else kind of falls out of that. Is that not right? Yeah. And if you look at like, there's a, the biggest part of the book is the first two sections, which is your market, your operations. I will say there is a point, there are some things that you can put in parallel. And mm -hmm. so, yes, I start sort of at the beginning of the sequence of the of the steps, but there are things that can happen in parallel. And that is specifically the systems thinking, systems nature of part of it, which is trends. You can always be and should always be like understanding trends that are going on and stakeholders, your stakeholder relationships, which become your partnerships. Those can be going in parallel all the time. But when you sit down to look at strategy, there are two or three specific points in the process where that information gets integrated. And so in that sense, you know, you've got to hold hold them off to the side until you get there. And then bam, they they come in and you can, you know, you can understand what impacts they have on your strategy and therefore change your strategy. But you can parallelize them in the same sense that, you know, you don't just do customer research when you start a, a new project, right? Like you should always be doing, especially if you're a larger company, some level of customer research to understand what's going on and, and in real time, um, and then integrate it at the right time when you're designing a new, you know, initiative. Yes. And yet um, there is so much, right? Like if, if you're doing the research and you're paying attention to trends and stakeholders and market uh, conditions, and what competitors are doing, and there's all this stuff, right? And uh, yeah. and the 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 phrase that kept kind of ringing, uh, or, or or just like kind of sitting there in the back of my mind as I was reading your book is uh, a a phrase by um, Stephen Covey, and I think I'm going to mangle it, but it's um, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I like that. The reason I bring it up is because 
the the process that you lay out in the book, the sequence has like I, I mean I, I haven't followed that process exactly, but I I was imagining myself walking through these steps with a client, for example, facilitating this kind of discussions with a client. And the outcome of the process, I think, would be clarity, right? Like mm-hmm. clarity around who we are, what we're doing, how we're different, how we deliver value in ways that other organizations aren't delivering value, right? And yep. then communicating that and keeping it that way, right? And keeping that fresh and relevant somehow. Yep. That's exactly right. And first of all, I love that, that uh, uh, whether you got the quote exactly correct or not, I love that. Um, and and you're absolutely right. Clarity of value and your relationship of value and how you're going to deliver it. Like that's really strategy, right? That, that's your high level plan for action. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that if you're doing this right, because there are so many pieces the clarity is like this 4D clarity, right? Like you're clear about a lot more than just, you know, what's Bob and Jane and, you know, Mary doing in the company and what should they be focused on? You have a clarity about your market and your industry and the system that it lives within, as well as potentially, you know, the whole industry in the world. You have a clarity about all of that. in relationship to your strategy. So it's not just about, you know, there's this other tool called the strategy cascade or the strategy choice cascade. And I talk about it in the book too. And this is sort of the latest tool. And if you look at it, it's these sort of five or six boxes of, um, I should get this right, right? Like I think it's uh, um, five boxes of questions. And by all means, like any of these tools, it's not a bad tool, but all the questions are about yourself. What are our goals? What do we want to do? How do we play? What markets do we choose? Right. And the problem that any designer today will see immediately is like, what about the customer? What do they want? What value do they need? What are your competitors? Like, it's not just about you. So the clarity can't just be about we're clear about what we want to accomplish. Well, good for you. You know, how clear are you on every other thing that's going out in the world, on in the world around you, that's going to impact your business? And, it, you know, like you you can sort of make allowances for startups who don't, you know, there's only five people in the company. And, yeah, they don't have a lot of time maybe to see all the other pieces. But for big companies, I mean, you probably saw the part of the book that's probably the most damning, which is this McKinsey report that came out right before lockdown in 2020, where they literally classify 85% of all companies worldwide as zombie companies, which are companies that are just sort of, they're able to make payroll and pay off their debt, but they're not go- they're not going, they're not going anywhere. They're not moving into new markets. They're not evolving. They're just sort of treading water. 85%. Like Congress should be talking about that. Like that's a huge deal. Well, th- why 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 are there 85% of the companies and what are they doing and and I would bet that many of those 85 are, you know, sorry, McKinsey customers and every other strategic consultant out there. It's not that they're 
not doing anything about it and ignoring their situation. They don't know how to get out of that zombie category. And the strategy that they're employing or that they're buying is not helping them either. And a big part of it is that not only just everything we've talked about, but this idea of me, 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 my, 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 our, 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 like this hyper focus on us as a company and missing all the signs out there in the market that market research doesn't highlight, doesn't uncover about what's going on and that could be the basis of whatever change they make to be more successful. Well, that seems like a really good summary of why folks should be paying attention to to strategy. And I, I see your book as a as a guide for de-zombification. So where can uh, where can folks uh, <laughs> find out more about the book and uh, and about you? My website nathan.com. Um, I also have a little publishing imprint where I publish all my books now called experiencedesignbooks.com. Um, but you can get it off Amazon these days. Um, I will say though, like if you're a Kindle reader. The EPUB version has some problems because Ingram forces you to upload a flowable version EPUB. And this book, it's not a novel, right? It's not just text that shows up on the next page, the next page. It's a design book that, you know, spreads work together and illustrations relate to text and diagrams. And so sometimes that flowable EPUB doesn't look so good on on Kindle, but if someone buys it there and emails me, I can send them a PDF that they can also read on the Kindle, and then all the pages are static and work together and don't get jumbled and and chopped up. Um, but yeah, you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it off my website. Um, I'm doing workshops now on the same subject, so hopefully, there's lots of ways that you know some you know not just designers. You know, <laughs> tell your non-design friends. Because this is a very design forward book that I'm hoping that non-designers, engineers, project managers, relationship managers, executives, if they understood strategy this way, they would also value design in a in a, a sort of more informed and complete way too. Yeah, that that sounds that sounds right. And that, and I'll say, as I was reading the book, I did not think that it was primarily aimed at at designers. I thought this aims broadly at organizational leadership. I'm glad that came through, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It does. And uh, and uh, it's a book that I will be recommending to folks. Thank you, Nathan, for uh, joining us and uh, telling us about it. Jorge, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening. I'm excited to announce that my new book, Duly Noted, is now available for purchase. This book will help you think more effectively by taking better digital notes. You can find it wherever you buy your books or by going to the book's website at dulynoted.fyi. That's dulynoted.fyi. Thanks 